Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. How are you this, this morning? Are we living ready? Yeah, me too. Go ahead and stand up. Thank you so much for being in the house this morning. If you want to open up your Bibles and turn to John chapter 4, we're going to go through verses 1 through 30. I really mean that, but I'm not going to read that all. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. No, we're going to, we're, just to catch you up as you turn there, we're going to read John chapter 4, verse 15. But what's going on here is Jesus has to go to Samaria as a region, and there's a place that he's going to. There's a well by Sakar. Now, Sakar is near or in the region of Samaria, and he stops and he sends his disciples in town. He says, Y'all go get some food. Everybody say, Y'all. Yeah, we know how to say that. He probably didn't say y'all, but he, he, you get my drift. Go into town, which is interesting to me, which is a completely different sermon, but it's interesting to me because Jews and Samaritans didn't like each other, that he'd have them go into town and buy food to sustain them from people they didn't like. Just another sermon there. God sometimes makes you do things you don't want to do, right? Okay, so he sends them into town. They went into town, and he sits by a well, very important well. The well was Jacob's, and he passed it to Joseph, and he encounters this Samaritan woman there. And during this dialogue, the woman says, I'm a woman and I'm a Samaritan. Why are you a Jew talking to me? So you can see all kinds of boundaries being stepped over. The woman and the man, the gender boundary, and then also Jews and Samaritans didn't get along. But how many of you know Jesus will talk to anybody at any time? Yes, yes, he will. Then the conversation shifts as you read down a little bit further. And Jesus says, listen, if you knew who was asking you for a drink, you would give it. And the woman says, wait a second, you don't have anything to get in this well. You don't have anything to pull the water up from the well. You don't have any of that. And Jesus says, that's not what I'm talking about. And then she goes on, and this conversation still turns physical, because Christ is saying, listen, if you knew who was in front of you right now, you'd ask me for a drink of living water. See, the water that you're drinking right now is going to satisfy you momentarily. The water that I have will satisfy you forever. But she's still very physical in her thinking, then she finally gets to the point where he gets through to her. John chapter 4, verse 15. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. couple things. So that I will not be thirsty, but I will not have to come here to draw water. There's something about here. I think we all have a here that makes us uncomfortable at times, don't we? For her, it was the water and the well. Father, we thank you for your grace and your mercy. Holy Spirit, illuminate our hearts, we pray, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And everyone says, amen, amen. amen. You may be seated. Wave hi at your neighbor. Let them know that you're glad you're here. Whatever device you're streaming by, we love you. Thank you so much. Look at your neighbor again and say, all you had to do was ask. Yeah, sometimes we don't have because we don't ask. Teenagers are really good about asking, aren't they? Yeah, if you've ever had kids, you know what I mean. It's, it's okay. It happens, right? Sometimes you wonder if you're an ATM or you're a parent. You don't know. Okay? But you have not because you ask not. All I have to do 
is ask. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened unto you. Now, the thing that challenges me on the verse is there's some action behind that. I've got to seek if I want to find. I've got to knock if I want it to be opened unto me. Does that make sense? So this verse lets us know that there's some action behind. It's not that the door won't be open. It's not that we won't find. It's not that we won't have. It's that we got to step forward and do the first thing. Does that make sense? And here's this woman. She begins to ask Christ, Sir, give me this water so that I may not be thirsty and I can come here to draw water. Now, this morning what we're going to talk about is a third installment of Under the Rug. And so this morning we're going to talk about how God exposes what's under the rug. I was thinking over there as I was, as I was worshiping, I was um, watching a football game. I got to go with my sister-in-law several years ago, and it was the Kansas game, not the Kansas that we see today. They're good, but the Kansas back then. <laughs> if you're a Kansas fan, I'm sorry. Okay, I'm sorry. But Samaj P. Ryan broke the individual rushing uh, record in a game. And I saw Coach Stoops actually physically handing the football where he had more yards rushing than any other running back in the nation. It was a really cool thing. Now, there was a rain delay in that game, and it was cold. I remember how cold it was. We had bought those, like, 99-cent um, ponchos, you know what I mean? And you got them on. And as long as it's not windy, those suckers work. If a little bit of wind picks up or something, those things do not work. You wish you had a $5 poncho and wouldn't have gone cheap with the dollar one. <laughs> I was doing good. I was doing good until that poncho changed on me, and I was wearing a pair of boots, and then it hit my pants leg, and my pants leg started getting wet, and the water just ran down that poncho like a sieve right into that boot. I was pretty good till my feet got wet and cold, and I got wet and cold, and I was shivering. Well, what happened? I got exposed. I was up underneath that, and I wasn't exposed, and I was, I was good. Have you guys ever watched the series Mountain Men? Do I have any Mountain Men fans in here? All right. Three more than the other service. All right, good, good. <laughs> There's only two of those, so there you go. Anyways, I enjoy watching that. How much of it's real, I don't know, but there's something cool about throwing axes and chopping wood and hunting. Okay, I don't, I don't know how to explain outside of that. But they were talking about some of these guys who live in extreme temperatures, you know, 30, 40, 15 below, that type of deal. And they were talking about the skin. Once the skin becomes exposed to weather like that, it's just a matter of minutes, maybe 5, 10, 15 minutes, and then you can have um, frostbite and you can lose fingers or you can lose you know, pieces of your body that you don't want to lose. And it was really interesting about that exposure concept because whenever things become exposed, they become vulnerable. And what we want to do through this whole Under the Rug series is hoping that you're willing to continue to expose some things that God wants to get out from underneath the rug so you can get to the next level, okay? Remember this, new levels, new devils, right? So God wants to get you to that next place, but there's some stuff that you might have to get out. Pastor Mike did a great job of helping us understand that everything that makes the lump under the rug is not necessarily sin, that's a concept that we have that's not necessarily true. Sometimes we want to hide things up underneath there that God wants to use in our life to continue to expand his kingdom. Pastor Mike touched on that last week when he touched on gifts. Sometimes we hide things up underneath the rug, such as our gifts, because we don't want to do them, or maybe we don't think we can do them as well as we need to, or maybe we don't think we're worthy, all these different things. But nonetheless, they're up underneath the rug. And what we're going to talk about is the process that God takes us through as he exposes those things in our life so we can get them out from underneath the rug and be used by God. So look at your neighbor and say, all you had to do is ask. Look at your neighbor's side and ask him nothing. 
<laughs> but I'm going to tell you anyways. So as we go on, we're going to start on verse 16. And this is one of the first steps that I see. If you're taking notes, I think it'll be beneficial to you. Christ wants us to expose the secret. So he meets this woman at the well. And he knows he's having a meeting with her. She doesn't. She's come at 12 p.m., which is around lunchtime, the sixth hour. Okay, this was highly unusual. If they were going to come, they came early in the cool of the morning or in late evening. The reason why she came at noon is because of her past, which we'll get to here briefly. And she didn't want to, continue, she didn't want to socialize. She didn't want to be around people. She just wanted to go do her thing and not be made fun of or humiliated or anything like that and then go on about her business, okay? But she comes and she meets Jesus. And through that whole dialogue that, we gave at the, uh, that I gave at the first where she says, give me this water so that I may never thirst again and I don't have to come here to draw water. This is the next thing that Jesus says, verse 16. He says, go call your husband. Go call your husband to come here. Now, this is interesting because as you know the story, she doesn't have just one husband, okay? But in this case, Jesus knows what he's doing. And what he is doing for this young lady is taking a peek under her rug. It's interesting to me that he asked this question, go call your husband. Almost like, what you got up underneath there? Is there something up underneath there we need to, we need to talk about? See, this is one of the steps that Christ will do. You have that secret, you have that gift, you have that thing that God's been working on you. And the same way, he'll ask you. He'll be like, why aren't you using that gift that I gave you? You know that sin that you said is getting better? It's not getting any better. You know that thing that identifies your life and that you signify with failure? That's not what that is. And all of a sudden, he'll ask us a question like that woman that will pull back the lip of that rug just a little bit and say, I'm going to give you time to expose yourself. Now, it's very interesting as we read this because we see that her it, now her it is an adulterous lifestyle. She will find out that she doesn't have, the, she has had five husbands and the one she's living with is not her husband. But her it is that. Now, we want to be very careful when we judge people because I don't know what has led her to that. I don't know what kind of abuse she faced as a young child. I don't know what kind of situations she's faced. I do know this. I would say 100% of people never wake up one morning and say, you know what, I want five broken relationships in my life. I, so just going off of that assumption, God saw further into her than she saw into herself. And that's the thing with the rug is he pulls that lip back and he says, go get your husband. What's your it? What's that thing that God's called you to? What's that thing that you know that if you got rid of, you could go to that next place that Christ has been calling you for? Now, that's what Christ does. Here's our, here's our response. Look down at verse 17. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. What does she do? He pulls that lip up and she stomps it back down. She says, there's nothing up underneath there. <laughs> How many times have we done that? Are you, are you, have you struggled with a little bit of unforgiveness? No, I'm perfectly fine today, God. I'm not frustrated, aggravated, or mean. I just think it's a great day. A name will pop up. I don't have anything against that person. I just don't like to be around them. Oh, I must be hitting on some buttons. 
in our natural inclination whenever Christ brings something up in our life and he says, I'm giving you the chance. There's nothing up underneath there, God. Let's just move on about our business. See, this is the thing is we're about to get personal, right? And many times when we go into quiet time, when we come to church, when we worship, we don't always come to get personal, do we? Man, I want to be motivated. I want to be inspired. I want to, hear your, I want to feel your presence. But I don't know if I want to dig under the rug. <laughs> and God will, will bring those things to you in our natural response. Now listen to me, this is very natural. Our natural response is to say, God, there's nothing up underneath there. I have nothing under there. You need to know this because as God is going to move you and ordain you for places, you realize that it's going to hurt. Because he's going to ask you something that's going to spark. And it, it might not be a question. It might be a, a, an impression on your heart about a past relationship. Or it might be about a past decision or a failure. Or it might be about something that you know God has called you to. But for some reason, you haven't fully embraced what he's called you to. And our natural response is, I don't have time. I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy enough. I'm scared. I'm fearful, man, that hurts. Sometimes we got stuff up underneath the rug that hurts, doesn't it? If we're not careful, we wind up doing that. So when it's your turn to step on that rug, remember that Christ tells us that what we won't drag into the lot, he's going to drag into the lot. So we can sit back and say, I'm going to leave it up underneath there in darkness. But what I don't deal with, he will deal with. And this is what I found out. He's a loving father, and we're his kids. And loving fathers dig up underneath kids' rugs so they can become what, they've designed, what God's designed them to be. We've got a heavenly father who looks down and says, we need to get some of that stuff out of there. Like a kid digging through a toy chest sometimes, right? Let's get to the bottom of this sucker. The good news is it's not that messy. Now, that's the first part of this. We read on the store, and the second thing that we see... Now, you guys are awful quiet. Are you guys with me here? Okay, I know this is a little different. I'm probably a little bit more intense, but work with me here, okay? So the second thing that we see is that's going to happen. God wants us to expose it. If we don't expose it, he's going to take care of it. Now, here, here he goes. Christ completely exposes the hidden secret. This is Christ's response to her stepping on the rug, if you will. Jesus said to her, you're right in saying, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one you're now with is not your husband. What you've said is true she steps on the rug and now it's his turn because he sees something in her so he goes on and finishes exposing that thing that needs to be completely uncovered and he goes ahead and gives it a good tug it's almost like the the rug is just flipped back and there's that exposure now this is going to be difficult to handle because now we're face to face with what's up underneath our rug we're face-to-face with that sin, with that failure, with, with whatever that talent that you know that God has given you. And you're face-to-face with it. Now, this is, this is the response. So the rug is pulled back, and if you look at um, verse 19 of John chapter 4, this is what we see, a human response. It's exposed, it's out. She says, sir, I perceive you're a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, But you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. What do we see her doing here? We see her having a very natural response to being exposed. She's going to get super spiritual. 
I perceive that you're a, you're a prophet. How many times have God exposed something in your life and you're like, well, you're right, God. You acknowledge the fact that he's right. You just haven't engaged it and changed it yet. I perceive that you're a prophet. And I've done that. God, I, I perceive there's something under my rug. I just don't want to deal with it. And then it even gets better. Now she goes on and she begins a history lesson. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain. And she begins to try to redirect and give a history lesson. We do the same thing. And all the while, we're saying, God, you're right. There's something up underneath the rug. I acknowledge that you're true. Spirit of God, I know that you're dealing with me. But I know that there's something. And all the time we're doing that, but we're not dealing with it. We're covering it back up. And then we get to the history lesson portion. God, do you know why that's up underneath the rug? Do you know how bad that person hurt me? Do you know how hard that failure is to look at? Do you know how hard that sin is to get? Do you know what caused that sin in my life in the first place? We do the same thing, don't we? He's taking it back, and we're too busy to deal with that, and we're giving God a history lesson. God doesn't need a history lesson. He knows exactly why it's up underneath there. And he knows why it's the size that it is. Have you guys ever played Hungry Hungry Hippos? Oh, yes, way more. Yeah, okay, there's like three people in the last service, okay? Yeah, way more, right? So for you guys that don't know, you, you got like four hippos on this board, this plastic, and you hit this lever down, and the hippo goes out and grabs these marbles and comes back on the board. And the object is, hungry, hungry hippos, to get as many as marbles as you can. Now, if that, that game was made of cupcakes, I'm in, right? But it's marbles, so I'm out. So the hungry, hungry hippos gets in there and starts pulling those marbles, and what you notice is that the more it eats and it pulls back and you can't see it, it covers up, it drops it in the reservoir and that reservoir keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Whenever we have something under our rug and we're not willing to address and expose it, whenever other hurts, other failures, other things that cause bitterness or unforgiveness or sin or whatever it is that we try to hide. We're just like that hungry, hungry hippo. We go out and we grab that and we push it back up underneath our rug. Now our lump gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And this is the thing. is that thing that you could have dealt with that's pretty small. The more you feed it, the bigger it gets. What you starve dies, what you feed lives. So I've got hurt, now everything that looks like that hurt, I'm going to grasp for it and stick it under my rug. And it feeds that hurt, and now I justify it. Now I think I, ha I can do it. Now I get into history lessons with God, and that's really what a history lesson is. God, don't you know what that person did? This is, this is what some of the things we might say. Do you know the hurt that that caused? Do you know when that person said that how deep it cut me? Have any, you guys... Right? Words hurt. Words hurt. This is something that I see that failures in ministry. God, don't I deserve this? Haven't I done enough for your kingdom that I just deserve this? And we say that. Does this sin really hurt anybody? I mean, is anybody really looking? How about that? I love that one. Or I not love it, but it's one of the ones I hear, is this won't hurt anybody but me. How many of you guys have heard that? Have you read the Bible at all? We're dealing with sin thousands of years later for people who are not very smart. But we say things like that to push it up underneath our rug. 
And we give God this history lesson that he doesn't really need. And what we do is we waste precious time that we could be dealing with things. Instead, we're telling God what he already knows. And what he already knows is he sees something in you. That's the reason why we're having this conversation anyways. I mean, of all the people he chose, he chose this Samaritan woman. And everybody else, no doubt, looked at her. And what they saw was not what Christ saw. So as you're digging this stuff out, remember Christ sees what maybe you do not see. Now, this is very important because now it's fully exposed, right? Now it's fully exposed and Christ has pulled back the rug and it's all right there and we've given God a history lesson. And this is what happens next. You need to be ready for this step, that the battle will really rage, okay? This is when the battle rages. Do not stop early. This is a thing that requires time, amen? you got to go through it. You didn't get all the stuff up underneath the rug overnight. You're not going to get delivered from it overnight. It will take time and sorting through. But God will be with you just as he sat on the well and he had a dialogue with this wonderful woman for however long it took. Remember, God doesn't have anywhere better to be than sitting right across from you trying to help you get through your stuff so you can do what God has called you to do for his kingdom. He didn't die for stuff. He died for people. And you're a people. So you're the most important. Now, don't quit too early. And this is the reason why. So Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7. David's being picked to be his king. He's, many people know this story. If you don't, he's going to be the next king of Israel. He's actually out tending sheep. The prophet is picking who will be next in line, and he's picking off a stature. He looks at one brother and says, ooh, this brother's big and strong and good-looking. This must be the guy. Anyways, long story short, he goes down the line. That's not the guy. That's not the guy. That's not the guy. And God talks to Samuel, and he says this. He says, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as a man sees. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. This almost made me cry when this came to me. Where everybody else looked at this Samaritan woman and saw failure and saw heartbreak and saw no value, Christ pops up on the well and sees value, sees hope, sees a future. That in your current state, you can be used to be great things with God. You just got to get really real with him. And that's what he sees. Because he doesn't look at us as man looks at us. Peter echoes this very same thing. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 3 and 4. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear. Now, people have gone way crazy with that, okay? Can I get an amen on that? Amen, yes, yes. That's all good and that's fine. It should not be your identity. When what you look like has now become your identity and Christ is no longer your identity, now you're in error. There's nothing wrong with smelling good. Some people, that's okay. It's good. We all need to bathe, right? All need to breathe. Spray some of that stuff on there, please. Okay. Hey, if you've ever been in a football locker room, man, that is so gross sometimes. Like the ax smell, like those junior high kids are like, yeah, you know? I'm like, it doesn't work if you don't bathe. It just enhances. It enhances people. Yeah. You guys know what I'm talking about, okay? First Peter chapter 3, verse 4 here. But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart, listen to this, with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which, is God's, which in God's sight is very precious. Where everybody else saw broken, 
and damaged goods, Christ saw something that was precious. Think about this woman's spirit. She didn't want to come in the morning so she could be made fun of, so that she could argue and have all these altercations. She said, no, instead, I will go out in the heat when it's twice the work to get done what I still need to get done. I just don't want to deal with all the hassle of people looking at me and putting me down. Then Christ, in the same spirit, sits down, and he gently handles her. See, that's what you've got to do with damaged goods, is you've got to be gentle with it. And nothing's going to be more gentle than the spirit of the living God. And he sees something in her that's precious. And then we see something in Christ with his spirit that what Peter writes is exactly how Christ acted. And whenever God is pulling back that rug, whenever God is exposing these things, he's going to walk with you and he's going to be gentle. But know that the war is going to rage on in the inside of you. But know this, that God sees something in you that you don't see in yourself. And he knows if he can expose that and get that out, then you can become what he has designed you to be and move forward and move forward and move forward. But you can't move forward when you're dragging all that weight behind you. You gotta get that stuff out from underneath the rug. And I wonder whenever Christ sat down what he saw differently in that woman. Now, in verse 21, we hear what Jesus begins to speak back. So remember, she's done become super spiritual. I perceive that you're a prophet. She's already given him a history lesson, and this is his response. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. What does Christ say? I do what my Father does, and I say what he tells me to say. So if he's there entertaining that woman, is he not seeking a true worshiper? Something to think about. And if you point, it's more dramatic, okay? So that's the reason why I point. Okay. Release some tension. It's like a pressure valve. It works. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. God answers and says, you want to be spiritual? Let's be spiritual. I'm going to tell you one day, it doesn't matter where you worship. You're going to be worshiping the Father whether you want to or not. You want to be super spiritual? Let me talk to you about your God. See, you worship somebody you do not know or something you do not know, but we know that uh, salvation is from the Jews. I mean, he takes her through. You want to get super spiritual? I think God does that to us sometimes. You want to be super spiritual? Let's get super spiritual. I've called you to do this, and you're not doing it, so where does that put you? And then he goes on. It's really comical. Then he goes on about the history lesson. Oh, you want to talk about a history lesson? You're currently worshiping something you do not know. Let me tell you what you should know. And Christ meets her where she's at. See, we get an amazing picture of the loving and grace, graciousness of Christ. Because he sorts through the questions to get to the answers. We tend to deflect and go a different way and bring up stuff and hurt and these type of things. And Christ will walk that road with us. It doesn't scare him. Asking him questions doesn't scare him. But let me tell you, whenever we ask questions, we better be ready for the answer. 
And he says this, true worshipers will worship in spirit and truth. So as he has the rug back, he, ha- he helps us understand something. He pulls our rug back. He helps us understand that we want to be true worshipers. True worshipers worship in spirit and truth. That means whenever the Holy Spirit reveals to me what's up underneath my rug and I need to deal with it, I start dealing with it. Whenever I'm faced with the truth up underneath the rug, I don't push it away. Instead, I embrace it. Because true worshipers worship in spirit and in truth. So spirit, as you lead me and my heart is open to what I have hidden under here, please reveal that to me. And then when I'm confronted with that truth, let me do something about it. Because even if I try to do something about it, and maybe other people may or may not agree, or they may or may not understand, what I do know is I'm making every effort to be a true worshiper because I'm trying to deal with it. And this is the amazing thing. Scripture says this, that the Father seeks such worshipers. You want to be sought out by the Father? You want to be sought out by Father God? Be a true worshiper. And say, God, whatever's under my rug... Spirit, as you bring it to my mind, as you show me, let's deal with it. But the battle rages. And after all of this, it's incredibly crazy to me. But remember, we have to put ourselves in the place of this woman. After all of that, he's told her stuff that nobody knows about her. She's feeling like she's never felt. She's asking questions that I bet she's never asked in her life. And then at the end of this, John chapter 4, verse 25, we see a breakthrough moment. We see this. The woman said to him, now think about this. After all he's done, this is what she says. I know the Messiah is coming. He was called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. She's done, he's done exposed her entire life. He's exposed things that she struggles with and she deals with. But because her flesh is so, so heavy on her and has so much control, it goes a little bit further and says, well, whenever Christ comes, he'll deal with it. How many times has Christ showed us something that we need to deal with? And we said, God, just, I'll tell you what, if I feel like this three days from now, I'll deal with it. How many times has Christ dealt with you for something and then a friend's come up and spoken something to you in your life that has to do with that situation and you're like, yeah, but I don't know if it's really God or not. Or you've sat down in front of the word and you've opened it up and God speaks to you through his word specific to that situation and you're like, I don't know, man, that's a toughie. (laughs) You know what I mean? When the Messiah comes, he'll, he'll, we'll figure it all out. Like she's trying to brush off everything that's happened. And we can easily do that. God is leading us. He's taking us through the steps. He's revealing things to us. And just about the time the breakthrough's about to happen, we've got to take one more step of action, and we wind up talking ourselves out of it. Well, I just got to make sure this is you. It's him, because all good things come from God. And you to be emotionally healthy, physically healthy, spiritually healthy, that's from God. And to get all that stuff out, you're going to be way more healthy than you were when you started. And we see this breakthrough happening. And we need to be ready for this battle that rages because I just want to make sure, I, I want to make sure that I'm not just feeling this way. 
When I was serving 15 years ago or so in a different church, I, I remember thinking to myself, I was either talking to a friend or I was talking to God. And I don't mean to sound super spiritual, but here's the story. Here's me being vulnerable. And I remember saying to God or to my friend, God, I wish somebody would just come up and lay $100 in my hand and then I could just sow it into your kingdom. Okay, so three days later, guess what lines up in my hand? A <laughs> $100 bill. And I've already got the $100 spent and it's not on the house of the Lord. I'm just gonna be honest with you, okay? As soon as that $100 hit my hand, I was trying to buy a motorcycle and for some reason I didn't pay a phone bill. It was like $94 or something. Anyways, I'd already had that spent. So I'm thinking, slip it in my pocket, I know where that dude's going. Sitting in service, and there's a missionary that morning. And God pricks me and says, do you remember saying that a couple days ago, Matt? That if somebody would just come up and lay a $100 bill in your hand, you'd sow it into the kingdom of God? You have that opportunity. What was he doing? He was digging some stuff out of my rug. Maybe I had some greed in there that I didn't know about. Maybe I had some trust issues with him that I didn't know about. Maybe I had an issue of making promises that I couldn't keep. But we sorted through some of that stuff. With understanding what his voice and understanding that when he puts things in your life. Fast forward a couple years, my friend, Nolan, had a Bible study and there was just three of us that showed up in his, Nolan. He had three kids or four, I can't remember how many. And it's December 26th, Saturday morning, we have the Bible study. And he comes in, and the dude's broken, man. And what has happened is he had bought his kids new bicycles. So Christmas, you can imagine the excitement of these children, man. They were open up, and they saw the bicycles on Christmas Day, and they were so excited. Well, that evening, they all went to bed, and they chained them to the front porch. And somebody came up there and cut the chain and stole all those kids' bicycles. So you can imagine the weight of a dad. Well, for some reason, that Christmas I didn't get a whole lot of gifts, but you know what I got a whole lot of? Walmart gift cards and cash. And as soon as I heard his story, now listen, this is not bragatory or anything like that. I'm just being really honest with you. As soon as I heard his story, it's like God told me, that's what I gave you the money for. And I looked at him and I said, let's go buy your kids some bicycles. But it took me getting some stuff out of my rug before. It took me at least two hours in service not wanting to give away $100. Just being honest, right? And God uncovering some issues in my life that if you're going to trust me, trust me. And then fast forward, I had the opportunity, and you can, I called my wife and I said, this is what I'm thinking about doing. She says, go for it. And I'll never, I just, I remember being in Walmart and picking out those bicycles that were kind of like those, and I just remember the, the gratitude in the young man's eyes. That he was able to bring those Christmas gifts home to his children and say, look what the Lord has done. But before we got to that, look what the Lord has done, we had to get to this, look what the Lord has done. And God is wanting to do that in your life and in my life. Verse 26, John chapter 4. 
she's asking all these questions. And finally, he looks at her and he says, because she's been asking, the Messiah will come. Then he looks at her and he says this, I who speak to you am he. You don't quit fighting. You're wondering if this thing is from God? Digging this stuff out and going through some of that hurt and going through some of that frustration. And let's just be honest, just going through some of that flat-out embarrassment of who we were and now who we are in God. And if you're embarrassed of who you were before you met God, congratulations. Don't walk in that embarrassment and that shame because God has lifted that off, but we should never want to go back to who we were. And he goes, I that speak to you am he. God's waiting to reveal himself to you. Don't be afraid to, pull, to let him pull that rug back. You don't be afraid to pull that rug back and let him begin to expose those things. No history lessons. No woulda, coulda, shoulda, had it, but I didn't. But God, what you're asking me to deal with, let's deal with this. Then you go from a woman who goes to a well who cares what people think. You go from a woman who was ashamed. She didn't want to even interact with society and interact with people to this collision with Christ. And now she says three simple words as she's running away and she leaves her water pitchers by the wheel which were part of higher identity. She brings those water pitchers to the well and she runs off and she says what? Come and see. As we allow God to deal with this, and he does, we're going to be able to pick up our hands to other people who are going to similar situations. Raise our hands in God to praise and say, come and see. Because if he did it for me, he's going to do it for you. But we have to know the process. We have to know our human nature. In the story, we're not Christ. We are the Samaritan woman. And whatever's up underneath your rug, whatever's your situation... Don't be scared to pull it back. Has Christ been talking to me? Yes, he has. And he's trying to get you to that next place of love, to that next place of giving, to that next place of leadership, to that next place of confidence, to that next place where you can be in situations that remind you of other situations, and bitterness and fatigue and anger doesn't set in, but the joy of the Lord sets in because you remember that of what he did. And then you're looking at your friends, your family saying, just come and see, because what he did for me, he'll do for you. Would you bow with me? Father, thank you for your mercy and your grace. Thank you for your spirit that we feel in this place and this wonderful, wonderful congregation that's been so attentive. In this moment, God, our hearts are bowed to you. And we know that it's been intense. There's been many different emotions and things that's probably welled up with inside of us. But that's good because that means we're open to what you want to do in our lives. And I pray for anybody that's up underneath the sound of my voice that has not surrendered to you. That has not made you Lord of their life. As we learn from the woman, the first thing that we have to do is sit down with you and engage. Give you our heart and our life.
And you'll not only save us from hell, which is a very real place, but you'll save us from these things up underneath our rug that could eat us alive, that could cause us to make more to bad decisions, that could cause us to go down a route that we don't want to go. If you're here, I encourage you, if you have not met the Lord and Savior as Jesus Christ this morning, no better time. Don't white-knuckle the pew anymore. Give your heart to Him. He'll meet you where you're at. For my brothers and sisters who are in the building this morning, and they may feel a little hopeless, they may feel a little scared, they may feel a little fearful, we've all been there. God, I pray that you would encourage us this morning that what you have in store for us is greater than what's up underneath the rug. What you have in store for us is greater than the failure that's behind us, greater than the sin that's behind us. And Father, as your wonderful word so wonderfully illustrates that very thing that is meant to destroy us, you'll turn for our good. But we have to fight our flesh and pull back the rug. Say, God, you can have it all. Would you stand up with me all across the building? This is how I want to dismiss this morning because I know today was pretty intense. Would my altar workers please come up? If, if you feel comfortable and you've been up here before praying with people, would you slip out? And the reason why we do this is because sometimes you just need a little bit of special prayer one-on-one. And this is what I'm going to ask, that we just come together as a family this morning. But if you need special prayer, these wonderful people are up here. They're here just to pray for you, encourage you, and lift you up. If you got saved this morning or you say, I want to give my heart to Christ, listen, acknowledgement is not enough. You have to do it. Come talk to us. We want to help you. But if you feel comfortable, can I just have everybody slip out from your pews and let's come down and dismiss as a family. And if you want special prayer, just as everybody else is slipping down, come here and grab one of these wonderful people's hands and say, hey, this is what's going on. I just need a little bit of prayer. And we're going to dismiss as a family this morning because the truth is we probably all have something up underneath our rug we're not too very proud about, huh? But this is what I know, that Christ will meet us where we're at. He'll meet you where you're at. If you're there with your spouse and you want to grab their hand or their fam- your family's hand, please do that. This is a great time to do that. If you even feel comfortable and you want to grab your neighbor's hand, that's great. Now, this is what I love to do because we never know what everybody's struggling with, but we want to help. Look around and find somebody's face. Now, don't look at them too long. That gets weird, okay? Just glance up, glance down. But find that person. Even if you don't know their name, say, that, that name is going to be in my memory, and I'm going to pray for that person. So as we pray together, you bring that person as well to the Lord. Father, our hearts are bowed. We thank you for the sweet, sweet spirit that we fill into place this morning. God, we're all, we all have stuff under our rug at times. Things that we need to pull out and give to you, Father. And just say, take it, restore it, strengthen, do what only you can do. And you know that at times that can be scary, we can be fearful, at times we don't understand. 
but you'll speak clear to us about what it is. And Father, when the midst of the battle rages within us because embarrassment strikes, fatigue strikes, fear strikes, we will continue the battle. And we will say, keep pulling back the rug, Master. Keep pulling back the rug so we can get through these issues, these situations, so we can continue to grow in you and be what you've called us to be in its complete sense as we can. Father, as we've looked to our left and looked to our right and we found that person, God, you know what they're struggling with. And we just pray that you would move in their life in a mighty way. God, if they need financial blessings, if they need spiritual blessings, physical blessings, or emotional blessings, God, you know what they need. So we just girdle them up in prayer, God, and pray that you would move in a mighty way. Send encouragement and send strength, God. Move in a way where they know that it's you. Father, thank you for what you've accomplished in the seats and at the altar this morning. What a joy it is to be in your presence to be in your house. Spirit, thank you for moving over our hearts and our life. It is truly our honor and our privilege that you're here. As we go out this next week, God, we pray that you speak clearly through us. Use us for our maximum potential in your kingdom, God. Don't let us be shy. Don't let us hold back and know, God, that we are victorious in you, God. We can face it. We can make it. We can go through it. And that breakthrough is ours. And we ask this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. If you believe that, can you say amen? Amen, amen. amen. We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory and hope changes everything.